we've got our goals. You know, last year we made the Inc. 5000. We were number 1496. Not too many cleaning companies make, you know, fastest growing companies on Inc. 5000. And that was always a dream of mine. And we want to keep that going, right? Now we're going to be on it again, probably, because we went from now 4 million to 7 million in 2019. This year, our goal is to hit the $10 million mark. Um, and that is a number between the floor services department, the post-construction cleaning services department, that is rows of contractors, the, the contracting and maintenance department, and then our core business, the janitorial. So it's, it's a blend of all those that we want to strive to hit the 10. We're in nine states. We want to, we're going to probably be at about 13 or 14. And we have about 300 employees right now. And so we want to get to our next number is 500 employees. Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth a podcast where we strive to help entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the founders who have successfully scaled their own companies. The voice you heard a few moments ago is that of Ricardo Regalado. Ricardo is the founder and CEO of Rosalado Commercial Cleaning Services, plus three other companies, including his latest venture, Route, which is an end-to-end software platform for service providers. Ricardo shares his personal journey from buying his uncle's franchise commercial cleaning business, where he and his wife were working 18 hours a day, not to mention a two-hour commute to their territory, to building a soon-to-be $10 million a year company that was recently featured on Inc. 500's fastest-growing companies, which is a rare feat for any business, let alone a cleaning service business. So key lessons in growth out of this episode are how scaling from a million dollars to two million was different from two to four million and four to seven million. And we get into those details, how he successfully balanced family and business. He currently has 17 family members working at the company out of a total of 300 employees, how he was able to scale from five employees to over 300 and keep the culture, how intuition, persistence and relentlessness were key drivers of his success plus other numerous words of wisdom and advice for entrepreneurs. Before I take you to the intro, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you like, subscribe, and share the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform so we can help grow the podcast and help other entrepreneurs. Also, please make sure to check out the new free resources page on brettrainer.com forward slash resources for downloads, promos, and to sign up for our fortnightly newsletter. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hey, Ricardo, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Brett. Uh, it's great to have you and appreciate your flexibility and the scheduling. I know, I know you're super busy and you know I always hate to reschedule, so it's great to get you on the program and... To get us started, I want you to kind of give the audience a sense of what I was going to say, what you and the team at Rosalado are working on, but you have more than just that. So why don't you give us a sense of you know, what you're working on today, and then, then I'm going to take you on a little trip down memory lane to how you started your first business. Absolutely, man. Yes. Uh, memory lane will be fun. Uh, but yeah, so today we, you know, we, I own three different businesses, uh, all in the same industry though. So it's all relatable. Uh, but we started off with a company called Rosalotto Services. And that is your, you know, think of a traditional commercial cleaning and floor services company. Uh, but as we grew and, and we heard the clientele, you know, all their requests and asked for so many other different services, 
we branched off into also developing a general contracting division, which we call that roles of contractors. So we do a lot of general contracting in the sense of, you know, we painting, plumbing, electrical, landscaping, things of that nature. And then also like service calls, maintenance service calls. And then the third business is Route. So Route is a business-to-business software. It's the first to market as a sales platform. So it helps uh, other commercial cleaning companies, other service industries with their sales process in the sense of we've digitized the walkthrough into the estimate into the proposal. Um, So again, all really coincide under the, I guess you could say the facility services industry. Um, And we deal primarily with commercial clients. Uh, We do a little residential, but that's really for kind of one-off projects or mainly like carpet cleaning and and floor service work. Um, Okay. Light light handyman, but pretty much we are a commercial-driven firm. Got it. Got it. And, you know, the thing I love about your business, and we'll, we'll dig into the software probably at, at the end of it, because I think that's your most recent project. But, you know, this was developed because you were solving a problem for your own company, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was, I had issues with trying to leverage what I know. There just wasn't anything out there for, for what I needed. Right. So I said, you know what, instead of, you know, I love technology. I the ecosystem here in Chicago is big on technology. So when I couldn't find the right product, I just decided, hey, why, why not build something that could help me scale my business and take my tribal knowledge and share it with the team? And we did just that. You know, it was, it was trials and tribulation. Um, I don't come from a tech background, but I found the right team. And it's been fun, man. It's been a year and a half of, of building a, a pretty fun intuitive product that is is helping other businesses and still helping mine too. Yeah. And that the best part of that is you had a problem you were solving for versus a lot of younger and newer entrepreneurs, especially just out of school, developed a product or a solution and they go look for a problem, right? <laughs> versus, right. hey, there's a known problem. You know it in this space. You're living it. You're a, you know, a walking proof of concept. So yeah, let's, let's get back into that at, at the tail end, because I do think yeah. it's, that's it, a whole new journey that you're, you're just sure. starting, not just starting, but you know, undertaking, but let's go back to the commercial business. And when did you, you started this if memory serves me right about eight years ago now? Is that about right? Yeah. It'd be, uh, it'll be eight years of July of this year. Uh, okay. so yeah, we started in 2012. 2012. And before that you were what would be more of a traditional enterprise, right? In the workforce, you weren't necessarily an entrepreneur before you started this company, were you? No, yeah. Entrepreneurship was not something that our family did. I mean, traditionally, you know, everybody in my family just, you know, they worked for somebody. They worked corporate. They they had blue collar jobs. I learned that work, I think, from them though. So I, I don't know where the hell the entrepreneur bug came from. <laughs> but I, you know what? It was it's funny because I I was never able to find that career or job that I can own and say, I'm happy, I'm appreciated, and I love what I do. So I I just said, you know, screw it. And I I took the plunge. Got it. And was it just something you woke up one morning and say, hey, I'm going to start a commercial cleaning business? Or what kind of led you down the path that uh, ultimately made you jump in? Well, so I had my my cousin owned a franchise cleaning business. um, Okay. For, he, he had owned it for about six years and it was more in the later stage when it was about like 2011 into 2012 that, you know, you're talking like Thanksgiving, Christmas, barbecues. He was always trying to push this onto me. He's like, Rick, I, I want to keep this with the family. He's moving to Mexico. He had a pretty good thing going. 
Um, and, you know, after I said, you know what, I'm not that happy, but you know, why not? If I'm going to do it, I did it with, I'm going to do it with my wife, which was my girlfriend at the time. She wasn't happy. She, you know, she wanted to make a change. So we said, if we're let's do it together. You know, if we fail, we could just get back in the workforce again. But we, we took out a loan. We bought the business. My cousin jumped on as well. And I mean, we haven't looked back since, but no experience, none whatsoever in just owning a business, let alone the cleaning business. Right. So what were those early days like? Was it really just getting comfortable with, with what you do and how the services work? Can you just give us a sense, maybe what those first few months with you and your wife were, were yeah, going was, through as you jumped in? Well, I think we, we, we got lucky in the sense that I, you know, I come from sales and I come from networking and marketing, right? So okay. which is a big, a big plus in this space because you got to be proactive. Her on the, on the other side, she was an organized organization freak. She was a clean person. She was just very disciplined, right? So I think those are the type of attributes entrepreneurs need. So I think we, we fell into, we didn't know cleaning though. So we had to know the business itself. So the franchise that we bought actually did give us the, the foundation to understanding the cleaning industry. So again, we got lucky in the sense that we were buying a book of business. So we didn't have to start literally from scratch. I think we'd be talking about a different story today if, if we had to do that. Um, so we, we had accounts to look, quickly learn hands-on, you know, how to mop appropriately, how to dilute chemicals, what floor services were, um, what good clean versus bad clean, you know, expectations of the customer. Uh, it's not, it's a, it's a lonely space if you're doing it by yourself. So doing it with a family member helped. Um, just knowing, you know, frequency, how many days a week you clean an account. There's all, there's so much that goes into just commercial cleaning that it was, it was mind boggling. And then I understood why it was competitive. I mean, cause anybody really thinks they can pick up a mop bucket and pick up a vacuum and clean, but it's, anybody could do that. Anybody could win business doing it that you can win three or four accounts and have a good life. Uh, but if you want to grow and scale the business, that's when you really have to understand it in and out. And it was tough. The first two years, you're talking about, we, we picked the territory, first of all, that was an hour and a half away. So every day, it was an hour and a half drive from Des Plaines to Huntley, to, to our territory, right? Okay. We were, at that time, we had Huntley, Crystal Lake, McHenry, and you know, at that, we're in Des Plaines. So it was you know, Northwest Highway, every single day, seven days a week, because our accounts were seven days a week. And we, we like, I've never cleaned so much in my life. The two years were 17 to 18 hour days. My father hated me for the first six months because he didn't, he didn't get paid. My aunt didn't get paid. So it was, because it was, when we bought it, Brett too, we bought a hundred thousand a year business. So again, remember, I don't know accounting. I don't know IRS. I don't know taxes. I don't know this stuff from a, sure. from a business owner. That hundred thousand was not real hundred thousand. I mean, we ended up probably making like 500 bucks each a month for the first year. So it was not exactly what I thought we were getting ourselves into. But then we, we learned and were able to actually leverage the early on experience to begin to be, build a business. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And you know, a couple of things I want to go back to, I think, with, with you and your girlfriend and now wife, you know, one of the, the common tales of success I hear is having that complimentary partner. And I know you guys were knee deep in the business at the time, but the one, there's actually a book that's been around for a while called Rocket Fuel. And the author talks about the integrator and the visionary. And when you can combine those two, which to your point, you didn't describe it quite that way, but you know, the visionary, the dreamer, the marketer, 
And then the operation person that can make the, the trains run on time is a really powerful combination. It sounded like that worked for you guys, especially early on. Yeah. I mean, I, I am a big advocate for family businesses. Um, there's a lot of naysayers. I just did a podcast yesterday. That was the first question. Is Everybody says fam- don't do family businesses. So, you know, don't get me wrong. There's family that I've had to let go or, you know, I didn't hire, but it is what it is. That's anybody, you know, that's the, that's the market of, of the workforce that's out there. But you're never going to find some family has passion. Family has your back. Family works 24 seven. If you need them, you can't expect that from just the everyday employee or team member. So, you know, you don't want to overwork. family. I'll tell you what, I would never be here where I'm at today if I didn't have my family involved in the business. And I'll tell you year to date, I've got about 17 family members right now in my company. That's phenomenal. And, you know, I do, I agree with you. I think, because you do have, I don't want to say a loyalty, but there is a, you know, the blood aspect of, and if you treat people right, you know, you're going to get more of that, that benefit, but I'm kind of curious on the flip side, I'm sure there's been a few times where you're challenged and, you know, separation of, you know, business and keeping the business and personal. I mean, I think that goes with everything, whether it's friends or family, was that a challenge for you early on balancing it? Or is it just, Hey, we know we're going to have arguments, you know, we're all going to have expectations and we're going to figure this out. Just kind of curious how kind of the early days of the first couple of rough patches you had, how that went. Oh man, it's difficult. I'm, I'm known as the positive, nice, Sometimes I get stepped on type of business owner, but you know, I'll definitely, I'll push you and I'll make, I'll empower and I will drive the team. So then because of that empowerment, I've had the family members kind of circle around and we've all been, we all have ownership of this, right? The, the name of the company is Rosalado. The last, that's my last name and my cousin's last name integrated, right? So we, we give ownership to everybody. So they make decisions on behalf of the company sometimes where they feel it's their company. And it is, it's really everybody's company. So to answer your question, on very difficult, man. It's difficult when you have to, to look at somebody and you know their family and say, you're not doing you know, what's expected of you. This position entails this, this, and this. But what I've seen success is I've gotten better and I've always been getting better now at finding the strengths in, in, in my family or not, not a family member and putting them in the position to succeed in roles that, really makes sense for them. You know, at first in the beginning, I was just throwing people into positions that I needed help in. So, you know, I would say, Hey, go into billing. I need help with billing because I need to work on sales. Well, in the beginning, I was just throwing anybody in there. Right. And that didn't make, that didn't help. I needed to create a job description, create expectations and give them a chance to actually know what their role is going to be. So a lot of the pushback or a lot of the situations happened when I didn't give them like a direction in what to do. It's just been trial and error, getting better at, at, you know, treating them like they're a normal employee, but with the sense of, I'm going to see them at a family party, so I better make it work. Um, It's approach. It really is approach. You you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be, you know, vindictive or or talk down to people. You know, I I think my success has come from just just doing it in the right approach. And people- Right. And if you have the right- you said a, approach or your, your intent is always right. And I think your, good your early challenge, challenges with, sorry, with 
you know, just getting jobs done because that's what you need to do. And I think every business that's starting to scale goes through that. And the quicker you can start to identify where you need to specialize and need certain skill sets, the better. But that's, you know, that can be a, a hard transition, especially if, you know, I go back to your earlier days where you're working, you know, 16 to 18 hours a day, you're really 100% in the business, not working on the business. So is using that as kind of a, a segue into, so it was a franchise, you're in, you're working completely in this business. You know, how did that start to scale? Is, are you still a franchise business? Or are you disenfranchised? Can you kind of yeah, walk so us through your growth journey there? For sure. The first two years, uh, we were a franchise, but then we, we saw that, you know, we, we had learned enough and could scale the business on our own. Because, uh, I mean, there's nothing against franchise organizations. They do a great job at giving you the tools to own a business. But then if you want to grow the business, it does become const- a little bit of a constraint when they're not, they're selling you contracts. And if, so it's great if you're not a salesperson, right? Because then, then you really could just grow at the pace of when they give you contracts. In my case, I really wanted to grow and scale even faster. So I had to get out there and get my own business. So at that time, I was just like, you know what? I think I could do this. You know, so we, we sold off the franchise, we sold off the businesses, and then we, we just started building the business on our own. So it kind of said, we kind of started from scratch again in year three, but it was, we were doing it our way. You know, we were doing it our way with our brand, with our mission, with our vision. And I mean, we've been just trucking along every single year, uh, doubling in revenue, growing the team, because we, we determine growth by how many employees that we give jobs to. So that's our mission is create jobs, you know, impact lives. Because then if you do that, revenue comes. The revenue will come with that. If you're hiring somebody, that means you want a new account. That means there's revenue, right? So that's always been our kind of our focus. No, and I love that too. I think that's a great way to look at it because as you're starting to grow and you figured out, you know, as new volume comes on where you're going to have to put people. Because I think one of the challenges, a lot of the, smaller businesses are just starting to grow businesses is, man, we are starting to grow. And if I'm going to get this beyond us, you know, who do I hire next? And, you know, I've got the revenue coming in. So did you have enough demand for the business coming in that you just needed folks to basically deliver and execute? Or did you make some investments in the marketing and the sales side of it to to help drive some of the demand? Or maybe it's all the above, but just kind of curious where where the early journey was with you. Oh, man. I mean, it's, that's a great question because it's, it's still continuing, right? Like I forgot to mention just the fact like when you're a $1 million business and then you grow to 2 million, you're a whole new business. When you're two and you grow to four, whole new, like you're always having to start over on processes and, and like systems that you have to put in place. Cause it goes from in the beginning, I was, I had to learn how to hire technicians because that, that was the need at the time. And the beginning was just Technicians that are going to manage and service accounts. Then you're two, you're three, you're four, you're hiring, you know, a, a building person, you're hiring, you know, a trainer, you're hiring an inspector. And this is all for commercial cleaning in general. So the roles start to get more of management, more skillful to the sense where it's a different personality, it's a different, you know, attributes that you're looking for, a different skill set. So you have to again start kind of reteaching yourself on how a good interview looks like. I had never interviewed somebody before. You know, I, I was always a person getting interviewed. So you have to learn that. Right. Uh, wearing multiple hats. But I'll tell you what, it's given me 
and given my wife and given my cousin and given my, you know, my mom who's HR right now for us, it, the ability to wear multiple hats allows us to be very powerful and very dangerous on business operations. You know, we can all step into a room in a conference room right now and wear multiple hats to help another new department head come in and say, hey, this is how I used to do it. But then they bring something new to the table and it's collaboration. You know, we are big on collaboration and delegation. Yeah, that, I think that's the best way to do it, especially as, you know, one of the things, you know, 30 plus episodes now into this, I hear from founders is I didn't let go soon enough. And, you know, I brought people in to do it and I didn't give them enough flexibility early on to, to build it out. But it sounds like you had the right approach. It's like, hey, here's what I know. Here's what's working. You know, you're going to have to own this thing going forward. And you know, the, other, the other unique, or not unique, what I think system, I just had Phil Hollier, who is a, you know, the CEO and founder of a company called Bounteous. And one of his points to me was unicorn employees are fantastic early because, you know, to your point, they can do billing, they can do estimates, they can do three or four jobs. Oh, yeah. The challenge is once you get to the point where you can specialize because you have enough volume, you know, how do you leverage those, those resources? So, yeah, um, I'm just curious if you you had any success or, you know, or is it really starting to align people with their, what they're naturally good at? That's, it's tough to to answer that with one clear answer because it's like, we do have, so we have a, a process here, right? When we hire somebody, they all go into the field and clean. They all learn what the company stands for and the foundation of the company is cleaning. So even it doesn't matter what role you are, you know, you go into the field to know what it is to clean an account. So then when you're in the office and doing management and, and you know, clerical and, and administrative things, you always know if something occurs, you can be relevant in a conversation with that. But then when I had like somebody like my mom come on board and she came from, you know, 30 years of corporate and, you know, working in a manufacturing industry that she worked in the marine industry. She was director of operations. She was sales regional manager. That wasn't, it was different. She's like, Rick, why do you do that though? Like, you know, when you're a management role or if you're a, you know, administrative role, you don't really have to send them in the field to learn that. It's good for them to understand where the foundation of the company is. But if you're starting to hire for a role, they've got to know that role. They don't need to know the other things. So it was, it was a, a learning curve because I see her doing that now with, with new hires. And then you still have some of us on the other side that began all this journey together. We're like, oh, you know, they should go in the field. They should learn the field. What do you mean? Yeah. Uh, you, mean, don't, I... you don't need to, though, is what she's arguing. And we are starting to come around to that to see like, okay, yeah, you know what? If we're hiring an area manager, yes, they need to know the field because they're dealing with field technicians. But if now we're hiring you know, a, a supply inventory management person, they really, they, they, it would help them to know the field. So maybe one day they go out there, but the approach that we used to use in the beginning doesn't necessarily have to be the new approach now. So it's that transition between our old ways to new ways, because uh, it's, it makes sense. It really does. Yeah. No, and I don't want to disagree with your mom, but <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you. I think there is value in, in walking in the other shoes to really understand how the, the business works on the front line, because whether you're customer success, account management, billing, you see what, what day-to-day is. So um, I just feel like that's something powerful. You know, like it's just something that you can really 
resonate with when and, and know that because to me everybody's a brand ambassador of the company I, right. I think everybody in this office can go out and sell Rosalado services and I think that's attributed to knowing the services knowing the industry that we're in yeah 100 100% with great I also agree with you that as you get bigger it gets more and more difficult so maybe we'll have to have you on when you you double in size again and say hey how did you handle the uh, <laughs> the day in the life of her walking your shoes with with new hires as as you got larger but you know the other thing I want to go back to which you know I'm a big believer in is in the the process and the documentation and I think a lot of companies start that too late when they're trying to catch up because the volume's there and everything's just a one-off. How, was it you or your your wife that was kind of driving some of the process or how early on you know, in your journey were you guys actually focused on maybe not fully documenting, but really starting to understand what each of the processes looks like? Oh, that's a great point, man. Uh, so important. I mean, you're only as good as your processes and systems. I know people may think like, oh, well, you know, you're not big enough. You don't need that. But I agree, like doing it early, it makes it easier to then train the next person that's going to start that position. Or if you're going to delegate some some of these processes or policies into somebody new, having them in place is so much easier than trying to implementing them in the law and, you know, in the later stages of the company, because we're running into that right now. Perfect example is... We just hired somebody today to monitor and track hours and monitor and track quality inspections, right? Okay. Well, this is a role that everybody's just done or we, we made do or, you know, somebody jumps in and helps out. And so it took us a couple of years to figure out, man, this is actually a position itself. There's, there's a system behind it. There's, a you know, 9 a.m. check this, 12, you know, 11 a.m. check this, 1 p.m. complete this, 3 p.m. submit that. Like that was a process that four people were doing before, but we finally sat down and dug deep to say, no, that's, that's a bad system. You know, we shouldn't have been doing that for the last three years. Right. Now that we're doing it the new way. I mean, this Brett, we're, we're going to save $3,200 a month in, in costs that we lost slipped through the cracks because of not doing that process. So there's a perfect example of we should have done that three, four years ago, but we just did, we didn't know better. We didn't, we didn't, you know, now by by understanding that, taking a step back, we actually spent the last month of December just on processes and not trying to gain new business. Because that's what happens, though, is you're building a business, you're growing, revenue's coming in, you're, everybody's on cloud nine, you know, every month is getting better and better. You, you don't have time to stop and get better, though, internally. Right. You, you've got to spend some time in the year. We're going to do that now. And I share that with other entrepreneurs is, you know, stop for a moment. You know, the sales don't have to stop. The sales can come in. If they come in, they come in. But stop trying to do it all at once and continue to fix internal. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And I've seen, because a lot of, not just from, you know, cost savings, but then all of a sudden from a metric. And I think one of the biggest things, you know, I've split my time in my career between enterprise, large and legacy and you know, everything is siloed and things are handoff to the startup where it's more tribal knowledge, just gets stuff done. And there's absolutely a happy medium between uh, the two. And where I found kind of the, the most success or companies that have had the most success is where they really look at, at the key tasks and activities that need to get done 
versus assigning a department or a group. And as you're getting larger, I'm sure you're starting to see different departments start to form within the company. So I think one of the keys is how do you keep it at a task and activity level? What needs to get done, you know, from a quality standpoint or a customer standpoint, and then figure out who's going to do it versus, right, this is what I've always done. So I'm going to do this process. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I mean, it's it's real easy to create a new role and a new job title and bring somebody in and just give them work to do. But if if you as a as a you know whether you're the first you know first round of of management team, then the new cohort of management comes in. Like it's so important to get it down first to then be able to sh- you know really share that to the to the new people coming in. But I mean, it's you're talking about. You know, man, it's 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 unre- I never knew how important processes were at all. Like it's 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 crazy how it's easy to just hire somebody to to do something, but if you actually set set aside time, you have agendas when you have meetings, you end the meetings at a certain point. Like I was never that person before we would just have a meeting and you know, 10, 15 people and it would always go over. Like I, I've I've always been against hard stops, but I am so with hard stops now. <laughs> it allows you to to be productive. Like we talk about productivity and cleaning. It's, you know, production rate means how fast or how efficient you can clean, you know, square footage in an office creates your production rate. Well, the same thing should be done for, you know, the day-to-day operations in the office where, you know, if you have 15, 20 minute meetings in the morning and you have an agenda and then you complete that and you move on to the next, you know, the, the next process or system that you need to implement, departments are going to grow but it's the systems that you put in place that help keep the agendas going and, and accountability and, you know, just honoring what it is, the task that you have. I mean, we use a lot of, we use Monday and we're about to start using Asana for okay. yep. management and all that. So you could say, oh, you know, you're just going to use another tech tool, but no, they actually really work. Like there's, you know, especially if you have the new millennials that are coming into some of these positions, they live and die by these tools that are out there. But guess what? It helps get the job done, holds it accountable. If you didn't complete the task, it's going to still show up there on the board. So guess what? Finish the task, you know, finish the task, complete it, move on to the next one. The more you give somebody a schedule, the better and the more they're actually the least amount of errors will occur. Cause I've been guilty of assumption. Like yeah. I assume people are going to do their job or I assume people know what to do. Man, that is not good. Do not assume. <laughs> no, that is that is for sure. And, you know, I think some of the traps that, you know, especially newer entrepreneurs or founders get into is that technology is the silver bullet and it's really not, right? It's, no. it's how good are your processes, then can you automate it with technology versus the other way around? And so it sounds like you, you learned that lesson and are reaping the, the benefits of it. Yeah, automation is good, but there's still some personal touches that, that you need. You still need you still need a person on the other end. You still need accountability, you know, confirmation of things happening. Tech can't do everything, right. but it definitely helps you be more productive in many more ways. Especially especially if you can find the non-value added tasks, right? That you don't need a human to add the value. What can we automate versus eliminating, to your point, the human touch or where you can add that little bit of service. I think people go too fast, too far the other direction and try to automate everything yeah. uh, kind of at the detriment of the customer. 
Yeah, you end up, it was funny because Jay, Jay in, in our company, Jay, he is the director of the Rosa Contractors Division. And he's a big process agenda guy. Like this guy sticks to his agenda, comes in with, you know, five things to talk about, hits the five things, leaves the, leaves the meeting right there and then. There's no, no, no chat, no chattering, no jibber. He's got work to do, right? Right. It was funny because he's like, Rick, we implemented all this technology. We're rocking and rolling. But then as he saw his board of tech, tools that they were using. He's like, Rick, we eliminated manual task, but now created even more technology task where he's like, now we're, we're going backwards. He's like, I've got to log in here to do this, log in here to do that, log over here. He's like, what the hell just happened here? <laughs> so, so it's that you nailed, you nailed it, but it's not the silver bullet. So you do have to have a nice blend of, of both. Interesting. And I completely agree. And, and it's not always easy, right? Because people sell you on the uh, the promised land of the technology. And I am a big believer in it, but again, to your point, let's get the process right because then you can automate and free up your, your people to focus on the things they're good at. And frankly, the things they, they probably want to be doing versus some of the other, other types of tasks. So one thing I wanted to, to kind of go back or dig a little bit deeper into is obviously you've hired a lot of family members or yet other non-family members. Now that you've grown to the size that you are, is there a certain employee type? Are you looking for a skill set when you're hiring or are you looking at the, t- the type of person knowing you can teach them a skill set? Just kind of curious as, yeah. as you built out, how did you build in the, the culture you know, yeah, high level I mean, into it? Yeah, this is the first time I had such a long conversation and the word culture hasn't come, came in. But yeah, culture, culture is, is everything, man. That, that is the biggest, one of the biggest things that, we hire for, you know, being proactive, right? I tell everybody, I want somebody who's proactive. I want somebody who's smiling. I want somebody who's positive. I want somebody who is willing to go above and beyond. You know, these are, you don't need experience in our entire company. There's not one person that is in this company that came from the cleaning industry. Like, so that tells you, you know, we don't, we don't come from the space. We do come from is, is having good bones and having good blood uh, of, of drive, you know, drive, hard work, good work ethics, um, being passionate. You know, like uh, one of these things, one of my clients actually told me, he's a good, he's a friend of mine now and a mentor. Uh, in the beginning of the, of the, our, our business career is he said, Rick, when you're interviewing somebody, you know, make them go, go walk and get you something. So then, you know, I was, I'm like, are you joking? He's like, no. He's like, if they walk, if they go and get you something from the, from the counter, if you see the way they're walking away from you to go do something that you just asked them if they could do for you, and they're just, you know, shoulders dropped, head down, you know, swaying and not, and they're slow, like that just shows you right there and then the drive that that person has, the passion that they have, the energy that they have. And it was so true. I mean, I couldn't believe it to, the, to this day. That's a little tactic that I use just because everybody here owns, they own their role. Everybody here has ownership in this company, ownership in the room. So if you if you know that coming in since day one, and and you you know you're the first to leave at four fifty nine, you get here late every day. Don't ask if you could help, you know, because those are just things that are they they hurt, man. They actually hurt me when I see that happen, and it's like that's just not the type of person we want. You know, experience could be we could teach you everything. We could teach you anything about this industry. It's we we just can't teach you to be passionate. 
Right. No, I, I, I love that because you can ask, especially when you were starting out, you could ask the dumb questions, right? You're not assuming anything. I think you mentioned that don't assume anything, but being new to the business, you just don't go through the motions or it'd be really hard to go through the motions because you don't know what the motions are. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not surprised at your success and how rapidly you've grown just kind of based on, you know, the story that you've told and, mm-hmm. you know, how you bring people into, you know, kind of into the, into the company, so you kind of mentioned, you know, from one to two and two to four, you know, what are some of the next challenges you see with what I would call your core business? And then I want to get into a little bit on the, the software business and you know, what you're focused on there. But so what's next with the, with the core business? Yeah. So, so 2020, we had, we had a big company, you know, kickoff meeting for the year. We've got our goals. You know, last year we made the Inc. 5000. We were number 1496. Not too many cleaning companies make uh, you know, fastest growing companies on Inc. 5000. And that was always a dream of mine. And we want to keep that going, right? This, that we're going to be on it again, probably because we went from now 4 million to 7 million in 2019. This year, our goal is to hit the $10 million mark. Um, and that is a number between the floor services department, the post-construction cleaning services department, that is rows of contractors, the, the contracting and maintenance department, and then our core business, the janitorial. So it's, it's a blend of all those that we, that we want to strive to hit the 10. Um, we're going to be in nine, we're in nine states. We want to, we're going to probably be at about 13 or 14. And we have about 300 employees right now. And so we want to get to our next number is 500 employees. Wow. That's fantastic. And very, very, very ambitious. <laughs> yeah. No, it's ambitious. Man. Every, every year has been ambitious and we've, we've hit them. We've hit our targets for the last four years. Oh, that's great. And I think, you know, maybe a, a question I, I'd love to ask you as, was it from the core business, which I see you're, you're really still in a high growth mode there, was it the other businesses that you started that was opportunistic or were you really looking for alternative revenue streams as the business was starting to grow? No, so everything was opportunistic. Okay. And it was strategic, Brett, too, because I think I've heard some of your podcasts before, too, where you know, some, some people just stopped doing some services because it didn't make sense and they don't want to waste too much effort, right? Where we right. kind of did the other way where we didn't want to lose out an opportunity, but the way we did it, I think is what has allowed us to kind of catapult to where we're at is like window washing services. I don't know window washing. I never did it before. I'm probably the worst window washing window washer <laughs> there is. So what I do is I went out and I found uh, somebody who could run that department because he is a window washer by experience, right? right? So brought him in, boom, started doing it, just fell right into the culture fit. He's been working with us for about four years now. Floor services. I know them, did them, so then I can talk the talk, but I knew I couldn't be doing it all the time and I had to find somebody to run and take that department. So then I had my cousin and a couple of employees and one of his friends, they came on board, ran with it, build it. We, that's my most highest margin department is the floor services, but it's because they own it. They run it. Uh, post-construction, same thing. We did it. Me and my wife did it first. We did it. We knew it was hard. We knew we had to pay better. We knew we had to charge better, but then we found her uncle. He came on board. He said, you know what, Rick, I could do this. I can own this department because my, my wife's father, uh, my father-in-law comes from general construction as well. And those two brothers came on board. Well, Mike did first, my, her uncle, and he's been running it. 
treat like cross-construction cleaning is, is like a trade service. We consider ourselves one of the plumbers, you know, one of the electrical companies, one of the HVAC companies. That's all serious. We take it, you know, take that a step further. Uh, my best, one of my best friends runs our operations because I knew he knew how to motivate and, and teach people the way I would train and teach people. Now he helps run that department with my cousin on the janitorial side and they, they're just growing, 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 but it's because they're at the helm with, you know, my mom and everybody else, my mother-in-law. And then last comes roles of contractors. That was never going to be something I ever wanted to do. Uh, we were doing handyman-esque type, type of jobs, you know, sure. fix a doorknob, fix a light bulb here and there. But me and Dominic, who's Dom's the, the director of operations, he's like, man, Rick, we don't really know much more than what we're doing. Let's just keep doing these little things. But then my former boss, uh, Jay, who I had mentioned before, he, we got lucky. He was running the, he's, he's a finance guy by heart. He was the finance manager of a dealership. He saw an opportunity by living with Dominic and hearing Dominic's phone calls with me to how much clients were asking for maintenance services where he took the plunge. We had a meeting. He said, you guys know what? I see opportunity. I'm a businessman. I think I can, I can help you guys in this, in this department. Let me build this department. Well, guess what? He came on board. Nine months later, we went from eight thousand a month to one hundred and twenty thousand a month. Fantastic! Because he's a businessman at heart. He used to be my boss. Like I said, um, had a four hundred employee mortgage company where he knew. So that's I don't even step foot in there, Brett. I don't, I really don't, all he needs me for is you know just decision making on you know purchases and and you know do we go into the state? Should we take on this big contract? You know legalities. That's all he needs me for. The guy runs the entire department of the, on his own. So that's that's how it's got to is every single opportunity that knocked on the door, we answered the door. Which is which is just phenomenal. I mean, as I'm listening to you, and maybe you wouldn't necessarily. This is my oversimplistic view: is basically you're hiring entrepreneurs to build out businesses within your entrepreneurial, which you're really not entrepreneurial anymore within your company. And man, there's large companies that can't figure out how to instill that type of enthusiasm or, you know, passion for, for growth. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a risk. It, it definitely is a risk though. Cause I'll get the naysayers and say, you know, cause I help a lot of people get, you know, uh, S corps, they go out and get LLCs. Cause then I, I, you know, I've had two people leave to start their own business, which I'm okay with that, you know, cause right. that means that we led to that. And, and I think that's taking that risk has been a lot more rewards that have come from it. But yeah, I agree that that's actually a good statement. I appreciate that. And I think too, the more you encourage folks to do that, the more, and again, there's not a, a ton of folks I've talked to that, that share <laughs> that you know enthusiasm for, hey, I, I want you to leave this place a better place than we got here, but I'm going to give you the skills and tools that, hey, if your next step isn't with me, you know, we're both going to value and benefit from that. And, you know, it's really hard, especially for folks in your position when everything's growing, you know, in probably 20 different directions to, to kind of keep the mentality. But, you know, I think for this audience, it shows that it can pay off, right? It doesn't mean you're, you may be taking a risk, but it doesn't mean, you know, it's a million dollar risk in each of these ventures you're taking. You're like, hey, we saw an opportunity. We're going to put some emphasis behind it. Let's see what we can do. Which, you know, God bless you. You should, you're at a point where you can start to, 
you know, fork out a little bit. You get really good at what you do. And so, you know, how can we take what we've learned and, you know, apply that in some complementary, you know, verticals or spaces? So I think it makes a lot of sense. It's easier said than done. So congratulations on that. (laughs) But I think it's it's a great lesson for others. Yes, it is. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, all right. So let's, let's close this part of it. Um, and thank you so much for your time. I know you've been generous with it, but I think it's been really helpful, you know, to hear not just the plus, but the challenges as, as you oh, go yeah. through this. So talk a little bit about the, the software business, because unlike your other business extensions, which kind of moved in, this is a, a product that obviously helps you with your business, but it can also help your competition. Is that a, a simplistic way of placing yeah. it, but is that again? Fair? Yeah, that's very fair. Again, more, more naysayers came on board when, when that happened too. <laughs> it's like, why are you doing this freak? You guys are doing so great on the service side, but technologies is just, I've been infatuated with it. You know, ever since I can remember, I wasn't technically skilled, uh, but I, I used a lot of technology. Like I said, I implemented it in my businesses and, and we're getting where we are because of it. But I, I just, again, opportunity knocked. I saw it. And I said at that moment, that was more of a why not me moment than there was no necessity for it. There, there was no client that requested the service where the others, that's where the other ideas and the other, you know, service offerings came from. Right. Where this was more of, I see something, I have a dream, I want to I get involved, I want to build this type of product because I think I can. And, you know, it's, it's, it was a risk again, but it came down to, I said, if I, I don't need to do it myself. I will build a team to help me do it. And then I'll, you know, it'll benefit me. It'll benefit the company because I'm, do, I'm in the space. So I really talked to a few people, uh, talked to a couple mentors, got the right advice. You know, like, you know, I, I know you're familiar with 1871. Yep. Joined that organization. Uh, the Illinois Hispanic Chamber of Commerce is right upstairs. I had some mentors there. And the, the dots were just being connected, man. And, you know, I won a pitch competition that, that I won $40,000 that the minute that happened, that's when I said, I could do this. You know, I, I won a pitch competition against 10 other companies and across the country. I, I, something's gotta be right. So, I mean, I, I think I have something here where if for me to win something, uh, tells me just keep going, you know, keep going, invest that money into the, into the product and, and go ahead, go out there and build it. And that's what we did. 18 months later, it's live. We've got over 80 customers and we're, we're in the market. We're a brand now. People, people in the industry within a year know who we are and are knocking on the doors. The biggest players in the space know who we are. So it's been very fun, uh, very stressful and overwhelming. But if it's not overwhelming and stressful, then, then it's, it's funny. But yeah, then everybody else would do it. I mean, our startups in my position fail at a 98% rate. And, you know, and the fact that I'm Latino and, you know, there's probably 0.3% Hispanic CEOs of a technology company. Um, and I want to improve that number. And I know there's a lot of others, other minority owned businesses that are thinking of ideas, but they never come to fruition because it's, it's tough and it's tough. So I just want to show people how to do it. That would be my give back is it can be done. Here's how I did it. it may not work for you, but you know, here's a, a couple, let me, paint the picture a little bit better for you than you just going out there with a blank canvas. Yeah. And, and if you do it the right way, and I think, you know, there's definitely folks that do it the right way and, and don't cross those thresholds, but you know, you've obviously employee first family is very important. So you took care everybody had ownership within the company. I think 
too focused on the customer, right? You had no choice. You didn't know the business. You had to listen to the customer. You've listened to your customer and that's how you've grown. And, you know, kind of third, it's not, not to be afraid of your competition in the sense you don't, you're not going to give away trade secrets, but it's, it's like the cleaning industry. Everybody uses the same chemicals, you know, everybody uses the same equipment, but the only thing that's really different is, is your culture, your, your brand. Um, and that's, that's really it. I mean, there is no trade secrets. I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I'm an open book. I, everybody is, there's no competitor to me. Everybody's a colleague and it's amazing. If you have the right mentality, I talk to some of the bigger commercial cleaning companies here in Chicago, they're friends of mine. You know, these guys, I, they want a, con- a contract against me. I want a contract against them without even knowing we don't even know sometimes right. when we win contracts, that's how much business is in Chicago alone. Where across the country, we're also just, you know, I'm in a mastermind group where these are competitors. You would think they're, comp- they are, you know, they're competitors, but they're all a part of this great industry that has been so life-changing for me where it, you'd be dumb. You know, competition is, is what makes, makes this fun for me because I turn competitors into friends. Yeah, which is fantastic. And I think more people... I may have to create a special podcast issue just talking about this topic because, you know, using the NFL, an example, right? The players all want to beat each other, but at the end of the day, it's still a fraternity <laughs> and yeah. they've got each other's back as, as they go forward. And I think to your point, there's, there's enough market and share that everybody can have if you do it the right way that, you know, everybody can grow within that, that puzzle. So yeah, it's an um, ecosystem. It really turns into, not, not, you know, it's an, it's an ecosystem of, of, for me, it's an ecosystem of entrepreneurs, whether you're, you know, mom and pop to small, medium size, to even the larger size companies. I mean, it, it's crazy how everything intertwines. Um, if, if you just approach it with, op- with an open mindset, it, it's just an easier way to live life. In my opinion. 100% agree. And I learned that much later than I think you did, but you know, it does make it and everybody's kind of after the same thing. And, you know, if you're providing a better level of service and it's going to rise, you know, rise the water of, you know, your, your competition. And, you know, I know your space is highly fragmented. So there's a lot of opportunity to, you know, to gain that business from underperformers or folks that may just not have the passion for the customers that you do. And, you know, just listening to uh, this conversation today, you know, one of the things that I learned not too long ago, and it's hard to measure is, is persistence, right? I've had a few folks that said, hey, this was an eight-year or 10-year overnight success. And you know, I persevered through the hard times. And you definitely had some success early, but working 16 hours a day, there's a lot of folks that would have said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going back to corporate America. I can get a paycheck and work my eight hours and, yeah. and be good with it. And the other thing that I'm starting to pick up on, and maybe I'm just late to the party, but is the folks that have scaled, scaled successfully and continue to do it, you know, there's a, a big piece is intuition, right? You didn't have a textbook. You didn't have these other things. You relied on, you know, what you believe the right thing, but also your intuition and you, you trusted it. And he ran with it. Yeah, man. It's, it really comes down. I share a word with, with people that tell me they, they want to start a business. They want to do this. They want to go out on their own. I'm like, are you ready to be relentless? You know, are you ready to, you know, I, I know people talk about it and I, got, I have to get better at this, but work-life balance, I'm sorry, man. There is no work-life balance in, in entrepreneurship in the beginning. I mean, when you've made it, when you've gotten to a point that you're content and happy, 
then yeah, work-life balance. But I'm sorry, but I, I just, I just work my ass off, you know, and, and I'll let my, my spouse know. I'll let my, my, my wife know, Hey, today's going to be a 12 hour day. There's things I got to get done. Uh, there's, you know, tasks that have to be completed. I'll take half a day tomorrow, but it's communication, you know, like yep. work balance is you've got to be ready to work 50, 60, 70 hours. Cause the people that work 40 hours, that's what that, those, those are the people that have the freedom to be an employee. But if you are somebody that's going to be an entrepreneur and a small business owner, I'm sorry, man. It just doesn't stop at nine to five. You got to no. be with this. And it does take a unique, well, maybe it's not a unique person. I think it's finding what you really like to do. Cause one of my sayings I like to use a lot is you have to enjoy the process, right? The grind, it's going to be a grind, but you have to enjoy that grind. If you're just doing this for the end game that I'm going to be a $5 million business and you get to that point now, what, right? You just spent three yeah. years, five years of your life grinding it and you didn't enjoy it. So if you're grinding in something you don't enjoy, I'm not telling you to quit it, but you might want to consider. <laughs> no, that was a good point. Yeah, right? that's, that's actually a, a great add on there. Cause I, that is the one thing I, I missed it. If you're having fun with, that's why for me with family, like, you know, right now my cousin's in, in here right now with me in the conference room, he's working on stuff, but we do it together. You know, we, we don't work 24 seven and, you know, at the family parties, we talk business, but it's actually pretty cool that you can actually talk business and then say, and, and actually, you know, have fun talking about it. Right. hundred percent agree. And so I don't know who was giving you the advice. Don't mix family and business. I think no, it's, it's, it's crazy. If you can terrible. balance it, which is again, I think if you have the right approach, right temperament and to your point, I think communication, you know, you can, you can make it work. So I think the benefit outweighs the risk if you, if you do it right. And I think you're a, you know, a walking example of how that can work. For sure. hundred percent. Awesome. And I know I've taken a ton of your time and I really appreciate it. So I want to be respectful, but I do want to close on, you know, what I kind of call the, the closing time questions. It just gives the audience a chance to get to know you a little bit on a more personal level. I think we've, we've had that opportunity today during the interview, but uh, a chance to you know, ask you a couple questions about yourself. So if you're ready, I'll, I'll fire away. Go for it. All right. The first one is what is one thing that you would highly recommend? And that could be business, personal, anything that you're a big believer in. Uh, I would say if, if you're going to get into business for yourself is learn the business that you're going to do in and out. Do not plan on, on delegating, you know, tasks and activities off too quickly. Uh, just, just get in, dig in deep, learn it like a craft and then you're just going to be so much better off down the road. Yeah, I think that is such good advice. And I'll give you an example. Way back, really early in my days, I came out of business school. I was in corporate America for about eight years and took over running a uh, bagel cafe, right? The goal was, to, it was a franchise to start. We ended up disenfranchising it. But the goal was to take it you know, from one location to a regional regional chain. And what I found very quickly is, you know, all my business experience and corporate experience meant nothing <laughs> until I got into the day-to-day -day operations of how a, a cafe actually works and what the competition looks like and the workflows. Yeah. And, you know, that two and a half years was really long, but I wouldn't have ch traded that for anything. So kind of a long-winded follow-up to your point that I 100% agree. You got to learn how these things work before you can make really good decisions about your business. Oh, yeah. Okay. And last but not least, what I call the last call, if you could only have one more beverage, you know, think of it as your last meal, 
what would it be? Uh, I mean, you know what? I'd actually, I'd have a Bud Light. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd have a Bud Light. That was my, my father's go-to beer. And he, you know, my late father, he passed away about four months ago. So that oh, was, sorry. that would be my, my last beverage. Oh, I love it. That's one of my favorite answers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. And Ricardo, one last thing again, thank you for your time. If there's folks that want to follow up with you and learn more about what you've done or just connect with you, what's the best way for folks to do that? I'd say, you know what, just, just shoot me an email, shoot me a call. Uh, you know, my, my email, my personal email is Ricardo Regalado number one at gmail.com. Or you could call me at 847-275-6701. I give my cell phone to everybody. Awesome. 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 And I'll make sure I add that to the show notes so people can reach out for you. And again, Ricardo, thank you very much for sharing your story. It was, you know, educational and inspirational and you know, I wish you continued success and we may have to do a postscript after this to see how you're doing on the, the software sure. business here in a, you know, a few months. Oh yeah. That's a whole other discussion. That's one thing too. <laughs> if anybody knows any commercial cleaning companies out there, tell them to, to come our way and, and look up route. There you go. There you go. Thanks again, Ricardo. We'll be in, right. we'll be in touch. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.